Hi, this is Samantha, and you're listening to the Layman's Doctor podcast, where we're bringing medicine home. Thank you for joining me today. Today, I have a guest. Her name is Emma Lewis, and we're going to be talking about cervical cancer, as even though it's the end of April, April is Cervical Cancer Awareness Month, and cervical cancer is um like the fourth most common cancer in jamaica the second most common amongst women in jamaica and it has one of the best prevention methods which is through the hpv vaccine emma has been kind enough to share her story with us and i'm really excited to talk about it and i'm so happy that she has decided to come on and help us spread awareness and help us talk about her experience. Emma, thank you for joining. Um, please just introduce yourself for us. It's my pleasure to be here and um, nice talking to you, Samantha. My name's Emma Lewis and I'm a blogger and writer. I'm retired now. I'm 70 years old and I um, still writing, still blogging. And you can find me usually on Twitter at Pacheri, P-E-T-C-H-A-R-Y. And my blog is the same word, uh, .wordpress.com, pacheri.wordpress.com. So that's about all about me. I live in Kingston with my husband and always writing and tweeting a lot. Okay, so... um. I know I had reached out to you. I can't even remember what the tweet was about. Mm. But uh, yes, there's been a lot of advocacy around cervical cancer mm. um, on Twitter from like the ministry and from uh, other, other accounts. Yes. And I know you had made a comment on one of them. I really can't remember what it was about. And I just shot you a message and you were very willing to share your story. So... Based on our conversations on WhatsApp, I, I don't know why I thought this was a more recent story, mm -hmm. but based mm -hmm. on our last message, it's actually one that has been quite in the past. So yes. can you start us from the beginning? And it appears to have happened, way, um, not way before, but before we had a lot of the information that we have now which to me makes it a little bit more interesting. And it's, I'm almost excited to see just how much has changed, I suppose. So please mm -hmm. just go straight in. You can, it's your story and you have the floor. Sure, starting from the beginning. Well, yes, it was a long while ago. As I said, I'm, I just turned 70 years old the other day. And this all started back in my student days. And as you said, Samantha, things were a lot different though in those days in terms of attitude. I think certainly socially, you know, there were some things that weren't really uh, talked about very much. Um, cancer in general was one of them. It was sort of like not quite taboo, but it wasn't really um, really talked about as openly as it is now. A lot of those issues weren't really health issues and especially women's health issues were not just hardly discussed 
Um, this is in the UK, by the way. I was a student at Oxford, and um, in my final year, um, I actually got married. Um, too young, <laughs> but you know, I was young, and but um, it was around that time that. Um, we decided to, we were studying Japanese, both my husband and myself, we were in the same field. And we got scholarships to go to Japan to study. And I had to have a very, very thorough health check. And um, one of the health, you know, things I had to do was to have a pap smear. Um, I was 22 years old. And uh, I was just thinking, oh, well, you know, sort of routine thing. I didn't think much about it. It was the first one I'd had in my life anyway. And um, I was very surprised when I got a little letter back saying, well, there are some, how did they put it now, abnormalities, I think. Mm -hmm. and, um, and that I'd have to come back and... Uh, they'd have to look at it. Well, I was just about to go and live abroad for two years, so it was difficult, but I went back to the hospital. I had, I think, one or two biopsies. Um, I did actually have, I think, surgery. I had surgery, but it was um, not, I didn't have an anesthetic. I mean, okay. a, a full anesthetic. I mean, they didn't put me to sleep, so to speak. Okay. Sorry, I can't remember the word for that. It's okay. It's okay. Yes. Let's take a little pause mm. um, just to maybe talk about and define some terms. So cervical cancer. Um, the cervix is the area, which is the neck of the womb. Um, the neck of the uterus, the womb is where the baby comes out of. And it's what opens into the birth canal or the vagina. So when we say cervical cancer, what we're talking about are cancer cells, which are cells that grow and grow and grow abnormally around that area. And Emma said that she had a pap smear and that pap smear showed abnormal cells. What, pap, what a pap smear is, is basically a nurse or a doctor or some other family planning practitioner. They take like I want to call it a popsicle stick or they can use a little brush. It's usually not a very painful experience. It might be a bit uncomfortable and it's mm -hmm. almost like they just wipe the neck of the womb or the cervix. They put it on a plate and the pathologist or the lab technicians will look at it under the microscopes and that's how they see the cells. So what they're looking for are normal cells or cells that may look different from what they usually should look like. So I suspect when you said that you had the surgery, is it was it like a colposcopy um, where they basically look at the cervix and they might take a piece of it or they might burn parts of it? Yeah, I think they burnt a little bit of it, tiny, tiny bit, yeah. Um, and I remember it was a bit painful at the time. And remember this was... Back in the 1970s, <laughs> so, so, you know, uh, I guess medical procedures weren't as fantastic as they were now, All, although I should say this was a very advanced hospital in lots of ways, the John Radcliffe Hospital in mm -hmm. Oxford, which still does amazing work. And 
strangely enough, my nephew works there now as an anaesthetist. <laughs> so, um, but I, um, yes, I think it was a little burn thing. To be honest, I was so busy getting on with my life, and this is the odd <laughs> thing, that I didn't think much of it at the time. I just thought, oh, this is a bit of a nuisance. I wanted to just go on with my life, and this was sort of, um, I didn't take it that seriously, I suppose. If, um, if the doctors had sort of said at the time, well, this is um, possibly the early stages of cancer, I would have sat up straight and, and um, paid attention, but they never did. You know, they didn't say anything. They just said, oh, uh, the cells are abnormal. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we just need to do this little procedure. And then I think there were two, actually, that I did before I left the UK. And um, this was, um, uh, you know, it wasn't sort of like, I, I don't know if it was communication with the doctor and, and the doctor's, weren't very forthcoming or whether I just wasn't sort of getting it. Mm -hmm. But I never thought, oh, this is cancer <laughs> or the beginning of or early stages. It never, it didn't actually cross my mind. So anyway, then when I got to Japan, um, I, I, I went, they gave me a letter for a, a hospital, a doctor mm -hmm. that they knew and I went to see him. And the same thing repeated itself a couple of times. I had two more biopsies. And then eventually it seemed to work itself. It went. It just, it, you know, I didn't have that. I went back and they said, oh, okay, everything's fine now. Okay. So, um, but one thing I should mention, though, was when I was at Oxford that the doctors asked me if they could use my medical records because they were used uh, for some research they were doing and they actually did say to me it was you know that it maybe this is what confused me I remember distinctly they said they were doing some research into a virus and uh, they thought my records might be relevant or something and could they use them just to sort of study as part of their research um, because they were looking at finding, I don't think they actually said at the time a vaccine, but they were, you know, looking at ways of of dealing with, with that. So then went on for years and years. And then eventually I, um, when I was pregnant, it popped up again. After that, I, I had pap smears every year religiously and everything was fine. And then when I was pregnant, it started again. And so I had to, I had actually kind of a laser procedure. Mm -hmm. That was when I was back in London. And um, it was okay after that. But I don't know if that was, it was the pregnancy that somehow triggered it. I don't know. Then the big problem I had after that was, was actually when I, with labor and when I came to give birth because um, I just couldn't, my my cervix was uh, scarred. Mm -hmm. So it was very, it was very tight and, uh, you know, I, I don't know, the, you would know better than me. 
I know because based on the procedure, the yeah, because mm. when you have the scar tissue, one of the issues is that yeah. you might not be able to dilate as much, which is yes, the, that's right. The cervix opens up. But I'm hearing, mm -hmm. I'm hearing a few things, right? So, one, serve um, when it comes to cervical cancer, and this is why I think we are trying to push a lot for education because we have the facilities from even the mm -hmm. 70s to detect it very early, mm -hmm. right? And so a lot of persons that do have it detected. And yeah. the, the truth is when you get it early, it's much easier to treat. Um, right. Usually they just try and get rid of the cells and then you have to, you have to keep monitoring. No, if you have, yeah. no, for us, it's if you get it early and you haven't had the HPV vaccine, so along with the, the pap smears continuously for monitoring, you usually get the HPV vaccine as well, depending on where you are clinically. So cervical cancer, okay. for, um, for I think, in my opinion, really, because it's so detectable, we really shouldn't be seeing it as something that progresses to the point where um, it's, it's, it's at a stage, a, a very late stage. Um, because we have such a good screening modality. And I choose modality mm -hmm. very specifically because when I, I don't want to say screening program, because if we had a screening program, then we would have less cervical cancer, less bad outcomes. And in my reading for this, it was really looking at some of the data for Jamaica and how high our levels are. It's on the Jamaica Cancer Society's website, a blog that they mm -hmm. did compared even to the other region and a lot of what mm -hmm. really has to do with lack of knowledge and not necessarily lack of access because it's right. it's a smears are available at your health centers um mm -hmm. and every time you're pregnant you really should be offered a um a pap smear either sometime during the pregnancy or just after when you go back for another checkup so and then this research, that's, uh, this, this is actually really cool because I'm coming from the stage where I knew about the HPV vaccine. And HPV stands for human papilloma virus. That I'm coming from this day and age where um, we always had the vaccine and it was always known as kind of like this expensive vaccine. And it's good for women to get and even young and even men as well. Um, but then we've even seen where our government has tried to implement free HPV vaccines to, to young girls in schools right. as well. Mm -hmm. And that's really in an effort to tackle our high numbers of cervical cancer, which when you had it or when you had your issues, it wasn't really considered a preventable um, cancer but no with with the HPV vaccine it's 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 fairly mm -hmm. preventable um, mm -hmm. if you do get vaccinated yeah yes yes and 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 two two little things I'd like to point out was firstly I was very young and we're, I wouldn't have thought of such a thing unless I'd had a, a checkup you know unless I'd had the pap smear it would never have crossed my mind oh I might be vulnerable to to this, and and secondly, um, that I didn't have any symptoms whatsoever, and I was just 
felt completely normal mm-hmm. um, and had a completely normal sort of life or sex life, whatever, you know. And um, so it just, it just, it was out of the blue. And, and that is kind of a, it, I mean, the HPV vaccine is even more valuable in that way. I think that, you know, younger younger women are able to take it because, you know, it, it just popped out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And, and then it, it re-emerged when I was pregnant. But, but since then, I've been having all my checkups and I'm fine. So I just still go and get my pap smear done. It's vital. Um, I th- we were working with a base of an assumed base of knowledge. So let me see, because sometimes, sometimes you know what happens when you're talking to persons who know the content is just like, oh my gosh, but I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So with HPV is a virus, and it's generally spread through sexual intercourse or sexual contact, and it's linked mm-hmm. to like genital warts, um, linked to cervical mm-hmm. cancer. It's also linked to some other cancers such as like oral or throat cancers and so on. Mm-hmm. And things that can make, usually your body is able to fight the virus. But sometimes, you know, it doesn't always do that. And some worsening factors can be like smoking, uh, multiple sex partners. Let me actually bring up. I told the Ministry of Health and Wellness has a fact sheet. And I'm gonna try. I'm gonna post all of these reading things that are very simple, very layman, so that persons who are listening to this can really, um, can really learn more about it. Um, yeah, but I think it's important just to speak a little bit about it. But you spoke a lot. You spoke about about not really, um, just not really. I don't want to say not really thinking it was a big deal. But it's almost, mm. it almost sounds like it, it, it didn't occur to you like, oh gosh, this is, you know, cancer. And then it's so young and it, it just, it's so, maybe it was something that just kind of happened. I want to know when you started thinking about it and going, oh gosh, that what happened to me a few years ago was actually really serious. And then, and then um, realizing that then, but then also, having the confidence to actually speak openly about it because one, this is a, this is cancer. This is women's mm-hmm. health. Uh, and mm-hmm. then it's also linked to sexual behavior as well. So mm-hmm. there's so many layers of not right. wanting to speak about it. Good point. Very good point. Yes. And yes, I didn't really acknowledge it to myself until probably several years later, maybe even up to, Maybe 10 years later, I started reflecting on it. Um, And then I hadn't, it's funny, I hadn't really made the connections in my mind with um, certain sort of lifestyle. I didn't, I never smoked or anything like that. I, I also, of course, didn't realize then that it was, was a virus. It, it, it took, I mean, it was only when the HPV came out that I thought, and I read something, and I thought, oh, hold on a minute. That's what they were talking to me all those years ago, <laughs> you know? And that was really when, it was probably when I really started thinking about it seriously, was when they, when there was a lot of talk about the HPV vaccine. And, and I thought, 
oh, well, this all kind of makes sense now. It kind of things fell into place and I recognized how vulnerable I was at that stage without even knowing it and, and, and how it affected my life later. Although, I don't know, it's something I, I, was, I was very sort of matter of fact when I thought about it afterwards. I thought, well, this happens to people. Mm -hmm. Things happen, you know. But what I would like to you know, really stress was that it was so important that I'd had that pap smear. And also, I think it's tremendously important to have the HPV vaccine. I think there's been quite a lot of hesitancy about that in Jamaica. And, and I would really, you know, urge people to put that aside because, you know, if it, it's in a way it's good because I think of it, oh, it's, it's just, um, you know, it's it's a virus. It's something that can be dealt with. You know, just like COVID nineteen, I suppose. <laughs> but but you know, it is, and uh, I think it's very important for young young girls, and I think it's important for boys to have it as well. Definitely, I'm not sure about that. Is that right? Yes. So men are usually the more silent carriers. And there's this saying, I'm not sure if I'm getting it right, that if you vaccinate one man against the HPV vaccine, you vaccinated a whole bunch of girls. Like that's just that it's 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 the way how it's said is much more beautiful than what I said. But basically basically mm -hmm. because men are generally more likely to spread the 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 virus to women, so one man oh. can spread it to several women. Um, mm -hmm. it's really beneficial that when they get vaccinated, you're actually keeping several women safe as well from mm -hmm. getting HPV. Oh, and the HPV vaccine is not just, yeah. it's not just against um, cervical cancer or the, the strain of the virus that carries cervical cancer. It's also against mm -hmm. the ones that cause genital warts as well. Um, so oh. HPV is simply just a family of viruses that all basically have the same last name and maybe different first names, if you want to put it right. like that. I want to know, what do you wish your medical team had done differently um, during, your, during your treatment and, and screening and everything? That's quite easy to answer, really. I just wish that they had been more sort of, up front with me and perhaps nowadays they would have been you know they would have been more straightforward mm -hmm. and uh and really told me what the implications were and what you know might or might not happen and and how serious it was and things because I really had I really had no idea I was extremely sort of naive I just I just went with the flow and I did probably didn't ask enough questions, and they, I don't recall them giving me many answers. Mm -hmm. Just except just to say, well, you know, this is an abnormality. You know, they never use the word cancer. Uh -huh. Well, <laughs> I'm sure of that. It's a two-way street because what how one of my one of my consultants had put it is that when when a patient comes into your office, sometimes 
they often see you in a position of power. And I've realized mm. in my own practice of medicine that sometimes, you know, you can always step back and say, but well, did you ask? Why didn't you ask? Mm. And I have had patients say to me, well, either they were kind of afraid or they, they weren't sure they could ask questions or um, they just weren't confident enough to ask questions. Right. And, and they were afraid of the answers. Maybe, that as well. Possible so, and definitely no, because we're having this conversation about moving away from paternalistic medicine, which was in, in years ago. Mm-hmm. And even now we still have a very mm-hmm. paternalistic practice where you know it's what the doctor says it's what the doctor does and that's all yes no we that's how it was then that's definitely how it was no we have to have more of a conversation because you know you have google available and you know you have medical legal stuff as well and you really will get the best effort once you allow patients to play an active role in their own health care yeah so How do you think that Jamaica can do better in terms of cervical cancer, in your opinion? Well, I would, I would probably think a, a more robust advertising public education campaign would help. And I know it's, it's, you know, it's a thing that people are embarrassed about and they don't want to necessarily um, you know, talk about it, but to make it somehow kind of mainstream so that people don't even think it's any big deal. You know, I mean, we talk about mammograms and things ha- quite happily, I think. Generally, mammograms aren't really um, so uncomfortable to talk about. But I think I think uh, the awareness needs to be increased greatly in Jamaica and also perhaps for more people like me, who have uh, sort of been there and and, and recovered, um, you know, their experiences would always be helpful. Because I think it really does help to for people to tell their stories, you know. Definitely. Their experiences, yeah. So I, w- I would say that, and I would, I would also say that if there's some kind of program where they could just kind of almost institutionalize so that it's not so that going for to have a pap smear once a year or every two years is it once a year once a year yes that that would be um kind of a a normal everyday thing and nothing to um i'd I'd like it to reach that stage Mm -hmm. and i don't know whether you know the ministry of health can put something like that in place, you know, at least through awareness, sort of, when did you last have your pap smear and, you know, um, some kind of reminder system, perhaps through general practitioners, that they would sort of, you know, give give their, their um, female patients a nudge, you know, mm-hmm. and say, oh, this is, this is coming up and you need to do this, and, and, and uh, to make an appointment even for them. Because I know it's when people, A, they feel embarrassed and B, they kind of want to put it off and forget it. And then they forget altogether to go, not necessarily on purpose, but, you know, just to have, do you know what I mean? Have a routine 
thing that mm-hmm. it's and then it, that would take some of the um the stigma and embarrassment out of it um and um you know people wouldn't feel maybe quite so secretive and and um i think it's probably getting better in jamaica though compared to years gone by but i think something more um i think some planning and some forethought needs to go into it and i also think that jamaican that the ministry really needs to push the um hpv vaccine if they can and explain what it's about maybe now would be a good time mm-hmm. we're all talking about vaccines so you know now might be a good time to say look this is one important one that you need to have you know to protect yourself definitely protection you know protection messages sort of key. Protect your future. A lot of our sampling now is generally, I don't know if they call it convenience sampling, but it's basically if I catch you, I catch you. So, say for example, you know, of course you have pregnant women, um, that, that's mm-hmm. one area. Or if you mm-hmm. come in and say you're coming because maybe you're having some abnormal bleeding from the vagina or something is happening. And we ask you, when was your last pap smear? If we realize you've never had one or it's been a while, then we know we can shunt you and say, okay, go to the family planning clinic so that you can get an appointment. But in general, we recommend that it's, uh, it's, it's every, every year that you do it. And this can be done at your gynecologist, your family planning clinic, um, or your health center or your, your family doctor, your general practitioner. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. even in a conversation that I was having, we are a very sexual country, but we tend not mm-hmm. to talk about sex and its repercussions or its consequences a lot. And there's not a lot of education um, surrounding reproductive health. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> a whole big issue in itself yeah that's and 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 you're right there is a lot of i wouldn't really i wouldn't say i'm not sure if i can say stigma but maybe shame Mm. um or or just a little bit bit of embarrassment yes embarrassment around it yeah yeah and you're right i think one of the best ways to combat that because we do have the screening we do have the screening modality available we do have the treatment available. We do have the a- mm. the vaccine available. So we mm. are able to detect early. We're able to treat. And we're able to save many people's lives. And I think right. a lot of time we think that cancer is, is an old people thing. But it isn't. Majority of the persons who I have seen with abnormal cells or cervical cancer, um, they're not. They're maybe between 30s and 50s, but that's just my experience Mm -hmm. having worked in the hospital. Very Mm -hmm. limited experience. But it's just to say that it's it's once you're sexually active, or I think it's once you reach 21, you should start having pap smears. Right. Based on the conversation with your doctor, they might true. It's really it's really an individual thing, but at least at 21 years, um, Mm. you start having it every year from the last data that i'm remembering but you know you talk to your doctor you talk to your um your gynecologist or your um health whoever is at your health center 
about when you can start having your pap smears. Mm-hmm. I think so. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, no, I was just wondering. So, um, I was 23 when this happened. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, yeah, so that would, that would be around the time when you're saying that one should start getting checkups, right? Mm-hmm. So that makes a lot of sense. Yes. To me. Yes. So I think I, I'm really happy that you are so willing to share with me and to share so oh, even though twitter is a public space it's re- it's almost as if once you tweet the tweet is unless you're actively looking for it after a while it's kind of gone and mm-hmm. sometimes it's really tweeting into an an open space or yeah it's like an echo chamber a lot of times oh yeah it is you hear the <laughs> echo back again and then that's it it's mm-hmm. gone it's true yes but i think um i think it's important as i said you know the pap smear is important and the hpv is important so what age do you recommend um the vaccine the hpv vaccine what sort of so they actually have guidelines i'm trying to remember if when the M- the ministry of health came out with it they were suggesting from ages nine um starting mm-hmm. at age nine mm-hmm. um when i was looking I know I, I saw from ages 12 to 55, 12 years old to, to age 55 years old, but I'm yeah. almost certain. Yes. So there is mm. looking at the CDC website right now um, where you can be started as young as nine. Right. Wow. Um, and mm. I believe you can go up to, up to 55 i think that was on the jamaica cancer society but right. again i think we only i'm not so sure how we get it no with everything i'm not really up to date with the vaccination process of per, of young children in in the schools no generally the other way to get it would be through your um doctor and mm-hmm. paying for basically paying for it and asking them about how you can have access to it I'm right. I'm really not so sure how to get it once you fall within the school age group, how you can get it through the government program. This is something mm. to find out, maybe. Yeah. It's definitely something to find out. It is. Um, and the parental, then then they would have to have, the parents would have to be involved, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, there would have to be permission. So the parents would need to be educated about it as well. Yes, that's definitely, and that's the biggest thing. It's really just education about the virus, the consequences, and also where to get the resources. Yeah, that's really it. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story in in something that is not a vacuum. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. yes, it's good. It's a good. Um, it's a good medium to use. I think because then you can can explore things more easily than in so many uh you know characters how many is it now i don't know on twitter <laughs> but yeah i think i think it's uh it's important to kind of look at when you're talking about something that it was a little it's kind of a social issue really mm-hmm. when i think about it it's it's kind of has complexities to it but then i suppose all the sexual and reproductive health issues are like that you know? uh-huh. they're not exactly straightforward 
and you have to take people's attitudes into account. But, you know, all those years ago, I wish those doctors had told me a bit more, except can I use your medical records? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it's a pleasure talking to you, Samantha. Yes, thank you so much. Somebody. It did. I hope so as well. I hope so. Mm -hmm. um, I think, mm -hmm. I, you know, even if it's just one or two persons who decide, hmm, let me go get my pap smear soon. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to post a mm -hmm. lot of links that I had used to read up on this and refresh my mind on this in the, in the description box. Um, mm -hmm. So right. persons can read yeah, more. And reach out more, and I'll just ask MOHW that question to see how persons can access it, and if I get any information on it, of course I will just yeah. be posting that on my pages mm. or in the description if I get it soon enough. So thank right. you so much, Emma. Lovely. All right, my dear. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to that conversation. If you want to reach out to me. You know that you can send me an email at the layman's doctor, all spelled out at gmail.com. You can hit me up on social media, whether on Instagram or on Twitter at the layman's doctor, which is at the layman's dr. If you're listening to this on Apple, please like it, leave a, um, a review, and on whatever platform you're listening to this, just give it a like, share this conversation with a friend, share it with someone who you think. It would benefit until next time it was great talking to you